Welcome to the Life Sciences WA Investment Series. Investor meets innovator. Hosted by Dr. Tracy Wilkinson, Director for Stakeholder Engagement WA at MTP Connect, WA Life Sciences Innovation Hub, and me, Peter Birch, from Talking Health Tech. In this limited podcast series, we've brought together a number of conversations with experts from medical science to finance to help demystify investing in biotech, medtech, and digital health, also known as the life sciences. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, seas, and community. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. The information in this podcast is general in nature and should not be taken as a substitute for professional or financial advice. Hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Peter. How are you? I'm excited. We're, we're at episode one of this brand new podcast series, jumping into a really important topic and speaking to a range of experts in this space. So it's great to be next to you on the microphone and speaking to all these great people. Oh, I had such a good time. I wanted the conversations to keep going. And I really hope that the listeners get a lot out of them about like a better understanding of investing in the life sciences. It's certainly something that I'm pretty passionate about in my day job. I get to help the people developing novel medical products. And of the two major challenges that they face, the first is talent, which I think is a common challenge across all sectors at the moment. And the second is access to capital. So what we're really looking to do here is improve people's understanding and awareness of the life sciences as a potential investment opportunity, specifically here in WA, because of our wonderful funding partners here in the state government from the New Industries Fund and nationally from the MTP Connect Ready Program, which has been delivered by MTP Connect on behalf of the Medical Research Future Fund. Excellent. And and what's great too is that a lot of these conversations were recorded in person in WA or in Paris. So that you, we're going to be hearing those over the series. And what's great too is that it's this resource that, you know, you can jump in and out at any time and, exactly. and listen whilst you're doing other things. We've got those busy individuals. And and for those wanting to understand really, you know, is this the, the podcast for me? What should I be listening to this show for? Give a bit more context before we, we dive into it. What's this, what's this series really about? Well, I think it's a anyone that's interested in or might be interested in investing in the life sciences. And what we mean by life sciences um, in this case is people developing novel products to positively impact on human health. So these can be drugs, devices, diagnostics, vaccines, um, or even purely digital products. And it's a really exciting place that WA in particular has a really long history of excellence in medical research, but we don't see a lot of that commercialization and the companies formed and put, taking these products onto the market from here in WA. So longer term, that's certainly what I'm here to try and help achieve. And as I mentioned before, one of the big parts of that is, is capital. So we're really looking to help the investment community, specifically here in WA, but anyone around the world who might be listening, understand these life sciences in opportunities. As you'll hear from a couple of the presenters, it's not something that you just jump into really easily unless you've got lots and lots of money and have a massive risk, tolerance for risk. It's certainly something that you want to tread carefully into and know what you're doing and connect with the right people. So where this whole series, I guess, is really about trying to provide people with that sort of first level of information and resources 
mm. a bit of a 101 into certain aspects of the of the sector and understanding how things get developed into market. Thanks to COVID, we've had a lot of conversations about phase one, phase two clinical trials. What does that all mean to a certain extent? And we've got some guests who've really laid that out, I think, really nicely and clearly for people to understand. And secondly, this is about profit. These are about opportunities to make money. So it is also about profit for purpose. These are opportunities that are not just about making money, but clearly are incredibly profitable when they go well, but are also about helping improve human lives. And there's a, there's a purpose to this investment. Absolutely. What I really liked about these conversations, having some of them myself and also hearing the ones that you had is that we've got this breadth of experiences within health being involved in the, in the biotech side too. Me personally coming more from the digital health side, learning about biotech in the last few years this has been a great resource for me because we hear from people who come more from the the digital health side and those that are scientists that have become analysts and people who have only been in biotech their their whole career. So hopefully this will encourage more to kind of, you know, dip the toe a little bit more and, and stay for a bit longer rather than just sticking within the, the particular area of health that they might otherwise be into perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some, I think there's some places that people can go to as well in terms of some of the speakers actually have programs where they help people invest in this sector through their different structures that's a bit of a I I won't give any more spoilers about which episode that that is but yeah it's been a it's been a great great opportunity and it is a complicated fascinating impactful sector to be involved in so you're right it's definitely a team sport and it needs lots and lots of expertise across the way so it's been a pleasure to speak to all of these people well, we, we might dive into the first one, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I got to speak to our first guest, Glenn Butcher, and it was actually recorded at the Oz Biotech event in Perth this year. And Glenn will introduce himself in a second, but he is the CEO of Fund WA. And, and this conversation is great to just, just set the tone, give you the vibe and, and uh, understanding a good overview around biotech. Is, is that right, Tracy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's some, there's some pearlers here in terms of how Glenn talks about investing in the life sciences, about the companies not being revenue generating, but can still result in a really successful exit mm. through an acquisition or a license event. And some really interesting comparisons that he makes with enterprise solutions in tech, which I had not thought of before. He sort of really makes a strong case for there being different metrics of success for, for these companies, but they are there. You just need to know which ones to look for. And again, uh, the notion of being careful and being smart about how you invest in this space and that whole for profit, for purpose, or maybe mm. the other way around, depending on which way you like to think of it. But yeah, a really good, a really good start off, I thought, for the yeah. series. So looking forward to hearing from Glenn. Hi, I'm Glenn Butcher. I'm the CEO of Fund WA, which is a West Australia oriented venture capital firm. So there's more and more people that are interested in investing in life sciences and health tech. What is this space firstly of life sciences that people might be investing in? Life sciences is the sciences that relate to biology, chemistry, molecular biology, and all the things that relate to humans and animals for that matter as well, and plants, in terms of the development of products and services in, in that kind of space. So as an investment opportunity, what are the types of things specifically might 
people be, so at a broad level, that's life sciences, but what might people be investing into in this space specifically? There's a real push these days for commercialising of research that's been done. We actually here, especially at WA, have some really great research institutes like Telephone Kids Institute, where I used to work, Harry Perkins, etc. So we've had this really great train of basic research and research in these sciences. And what's happening nowadays is we're realising that we can actually commercialise this research. We can actually turn a research idea or thing that has been invented into a product which can be sold. It can be manufactured and sold. And, you know, that there is potentially very large amounts of value being created through this process. And by value, I mean dollars being created through the process of actually of inventing these products. And so the products I'm talking about here, that could be anything from a new drug. It could be a medical device. It could be a digital therapeutic kind of solution. And what's happened in the world in the last, humans need this. We, we absolutely need this. And how much the various systems that we rely on can't continue to operate in a kind of traditional way and how we absolutely have a massive need for these new kind of products and services to not just improve the quality of what's getting delivered, but also completely change about how health is being delivered by other aspects isn't being delivered entirely. There's some aspects where, particularly with life sciences, there's a heavy focus on investment because they're quite capital intensive type programs. What's the money needed for in some of these more capital intensive type life science companies? There's actually a pretty broad spectrum across the life sciences. Some of them are actually quite capital intensive, and that's what people normally think about. But actually, some of them aren't. Some of them, especially in the digital therapeutic space, actually operate much more like a SaaS company, a software as a service company. And they actually have the kind of market dynamics of that, where they might get started with actually quite a low capital investment. So there's some opportunities around that as well. There's also life sciences companies that have been spun out from research. And so they've actually had heavy funding already from an investor point of view through non-dilutive funding sources before they even incorporated. And so there's like this asset that's been had a lot of money put into already before the company's even formed. The previous way of thinking around is uh, necessarily a very long development cycle, even a 15-year development cycle for this, is going to require a lot of money to get to that point. It's less true these days, partly because of that spin-out aspect. And the other reason actually that's changed to, to me that's really interesting especially in areas like molecular biology and DNA and synthetic biology, there's been a lot of new tooling developed in those spaces. So that's tools like CRISPR and other kind of tooling like that. And that has resulted in a bit of an explosion of, of speed of being able to develop some of this stuff that wasn't previously possible to be done. And so the time to market now for some of these companies and therefore the capital required for some of these companies has actually started to drop quite considerably, actually. So the old ideas around lifestyle, was, I think, is changing. Yeah. And... Thinking about then, like, comparing investment into life sciences versus, say, other industries, you touched on just then digital therapeutics might end up being a little bit more like a more traditional software as a service type company. But how else might the investment game in life sciences differ to, say, other more traditional investments that people would be looking at? So if you look at, uh, as an example, a B2C SaaS product, and as an investor, you're looking for traction, and you're looking for signs of excellence, signs of growth in that company. The kind of metrics you might be looking at is user numbers, revenue door, monthly recurring revenue, kind of all those kind of numbers. The kind of metrics you look for success in a perhaps a non-digital therapeutics company actually look quite different, but they're still there. You can still look for those kind of signs of success and you can still look for those signs of progress and for growth, right? The key thing there is that there are still metrics you can look at them and value them on, but they are different in this sector. Now, revenue, for example, for a medical device company, that company may go through its entire life cycle and be sold to a much larger company without actually having earned a dollar of revenue yet. 
but you can still say that the company is growing and succeeding, but they're succeeding more in, in terms of their depth of their product, their depth of understanding, their validation of that product, their clinical trials validation they have coming back for that as well, the level of engagement they have with other industry players, the level of engagement they have with potential acquirers in the future. Like all those are really good signs. And those sound a lot more like in the software space, that sounds a lot more like an enterprise sales product. Yeah. Where you're looking at a long, deep product that takes a long time, but it can end up being immensely valuable kind of when they get through that journey. From an investor mindset, you'd have to change what success looks like and what good traction looks like. But it's, there's absolutely, you can still pick those early signs of those really great companies at an early stage. It sounds like there'd be a lot of opportunities for strategic investments or organizations that see value beyond just the P&L, obviously, with a life sciences company, especially if there's no revenue there. How do you provide as an investor into one of these organizations, how do you get more concrete kind of objectives to have some confidence around the investment rather than operating on something subjective or even gut feel or what strategically might potentially happen in 15 years time? Like, how do you give yourself some confidence in some of these measures? So like every good company has to, has to have a plan. Yep. And for a company that's going to take a while to get to market, they need to have a very solid plan, like clear milestones, clear route to market, clear go-to-market strategy. If they plan to get acquired by someone, they need to know who that list of acquirers are. These are all milestones you can spot coming, right? You should be able to see that, right? And if they don't have those, then in, in this kind of space, it's just a bad company, right? It's not like it's a software company where they can pivot on a dime. These things do take time to develop. They are quicker than they used to be. They still do take time. So you need to go, all right, what is your plan here? How realistic is your plan compared to some of the other companies that have done this in the past? Who are your competitors? What are their plans? What is the expected duration it's going to take? What are the risks around that as well? This is all the kind of stuff that as an investor, you need to actually kind of analyze around these companies as well and actually understand what that journey looks like. Now, as an investor, if you don't have experience in investing in a life sciences company, it's probably not a good idea to jump in and put your own money directly into being an investor in a life sciences company. You probably want to have some intermediate that actually has some understanding of that space. They go via a fund, perhaps, and then actually use them to help, use their expertise to help judge the quality of the companies and also to help have input and good advice to those companies as they go on. Yeah. I was going to ask, what's the typical profile of an investor into life sciences in Australia? Who's doing these investments in Australia? Smart investors, investors in the space are smart. The kind of investors I see are those, every investor should have some kind of profit motive fundamentally in there, because if there's no profit to be made, then nothing is sustainable as an investor. And you need to keep your eye on that kind of, on your own personal bottom line around your investment profit. But the other aspect I see for a lot of investors in life sciences is they actually really enjoy the impact they get out of it as well. It's for purpose and for profit. As an investor, you can say, great, I believe this is a good investment. I expect I'm gonna make some money on this investment. I'm basically gonna get quite an attractive return in time. But the other aspect too, that creates a kind of, that sort of satisfaction as an investor is saying, I'm not investing in a company that I can't really see any benefit to humanity from. I get a, a level of personal satisfaction out of saying, this company is going to do something that helps people. And when you can look at one of your companies that you invested in and realize that they've saved someone's life, and you kind of go, I helped make that happen, there's a huge amount of personal satisfaction to get out of that. That's a really strong why, isn't it? Yeah. How do you start getting involved in investing in life sciences companies then? So like any investment, you need to have a strategy around that. And I don't recommend any investor immediately invest in companies in a sector they don't fully understand themselves directly. And you have to have a portfolio strategy. So if you make one or two investments, with the general rule of thumb with any investment in any kind of innovative company, you expect someone to not succeed. And so it's highly risky to have a very concentrated portfolio like that. As an investor, you are much better operating via some intermediary that has a degree of diversification across their portfolio, although with uh, companies in that portfolio that is in the sector that you want to have some exposure to. 
the other advantage of doing that way is you have an opportunity as an investor to read the reports, to see what's actually happening inside these companies and actually helps educate you as an investor because you get the inside track. That's the uh, you know, fund managers do provide you with the information about what's going on there. And so you get exposure to the internals of lots of companies simultaneously. And it really helps to develop your eye as, a, as an investor about what future opportunities might look like as well. Yeah. This podcast has been brought to you by Life Sciences WA, which is Western Australia's Life Sciences Industry Association in collaboration with Talking Health Tech. It's been made possible with funding support from the Western Australian Government through the New Industries Fund and the Ready Initiative, managed by MTP Connect on behalf of the Medical Research Future Fund and with the support of Ant Health. If you liked this episode, please complete the feedback survey. There's a link to that survey you can access from within your podcast player. You can also follow Life Sciences WA on LinkedIn and Twitter or subscribe to the mailing list at lifesciencewa.com.au. Thank you.